Hey, this is Pastor Ali, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date with Bold Church, if you want to find out when our next gathering is or how to live stream an event, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Wow, y'all are so quiet. Let's get loud. Come on. That's right. We are happy and joyous and free to be here. So excited to have you guys. Hey, like I said earlier, it's a special Sunday. It's a special Sunday in the life of our church because this is God's faithfulness on blast, literally. We've got Pastor Mari, Pastor Dalen, Pastor Dago, Pastor Ethan. You should know uh, that the stage uh, is not something that we strive to get to. It's actually when you step up in leadership with Jesus, you're actually, it's not a promotion onto leadership. It's a promotion onto servanthood. You just pick up a towel and the towel gets dirtier and dirtier and you get lower and lower because you want to serve. Right. Pastoring is about honoring God's call over our lives, but also loving people the way Christ wants to love them. And uh, we say to anyone that comes up on the stage, the stage is sacred. Yeah. We don't take it for granted. And so there's a reverence to the word of God and what God has given us in the prayer closet. And these four have been wrestling with the word for the past few weeks. This was part of the assignment. You've heard some of them before. But today is special because they're walking under new covenant, a new position, and a new anointing. So, Lord, we pray God, that the word that you have given them, God, would penetrate our hearts with conviction and a transformation, God. Not to be better, not to do good, but to be Christ followers, God, that set you apart, Jesus, in our heart and set you first, God, where you first belong, as king over our lives, Jesus. Use them to speak to us. Use the word that you have given us today to transform us deeply so that we walk out of here changed in Jesus' name. Would you give it up right now, a bold shout out to the new pastors preaching a word. What's up, Bold Church? Who's excited to be in the house of God today? Come on. My name is Maddie, if we haven't had the chance to meet, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as a pastor here at Bold, um, and I am married to this hot guy named Dagoberto Enrique Sanchez, a.k.a. Dago. I love to say his name because with a name like that, it's almost like Spanish soap opera. You have to. Um, we have three beautiful kids, Mila, Zayden, and Cameron. It's a wild and amazing life that we have. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for this community. I'm so grateful for Pastor Ali and Pastor Yasmin uh, for their continued obedience and faith in their calling. Um, and even just a step further to us personally, um, you guys have walked with us through a season, multiple seasons. You guys have poured into us. So I love you guys so much. Thank you. We celebrated six years last week, guys. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. God is so good. And we're truly believing that the best is yet to come. Today, I want to share a message with you guys about how building God's house has made a difference in my life. And in this house, we take notes. So the title of my sermon is In My Blank 
era. In my blank era. Tap your neighbor and say, this is about to be good. <laughs> Any first-generation Americans here today? Raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. If you're first-generation American and the firstborn, keep your hand up. Okay, that's a lot of you. Okay, so all of us, y'all are my people. We can relay. I'm praying for us. We're the ones with trauma and anxiety. <laughs> um, my parents immigrated to the U.S. before I was born. And so when I was born, um, English, Spanish, sorry, was my first language. English was my second. So I had nobody really in my life to teach me English. So when I started kindergarten, I knew no English. And I remember there was this little girl, bless her heart, I now know Jesus used her um, because she was my interpreter at school to my teacher and to me. And I'm so grateful because that year I learned English. And after that, I was an interpreter, a six-year-old interpreter. I would fill out forms. I would get on phone calls and interpret for my parents. Um, and so not only was I the guinea pig, but being the firstborn, but I was also the family's executive assistant. <laughs> I should have put that on my resume, lifetime of admin skills. Um, but all of that really made me grow up fast. And I got some good things from that. I, I'm driven and I'm resourceful and I have that to thank for, but it also brought out some things that were not so good. And... I was constantly striving. I was always planning ahead, always on to the next thing, always thinking about the future, stressed and worried. I was never satisfied, never fulfilled. And I remember that when I would apply to jobs, I would get a new job and I would give myself six months to a year to become an expert in this role. And <clears throat> And once I was there, I remember if there wasn't another challenge, I was, I was bored. I was asking, what else can I do? And if there wasn't room for growth, I would leave. I would look for another job. And I know that for me in that moment, I remember thinking, man, if I could just find the right job, if I could get with the right company that would have the right compensation, that would have the right growth opportunities, the right benefits, then I would feel fulfilled. Then I would be, it would be it. I could grow with this company and all would be good. And I wonder, sitting here in Silicon Valley of all places, hustle culture is real. And I wonder how many people here right now can relate to this. Perhaps feeling the burden on your shoulders of your parents' sacrifice and needing, feeling like you need to make something of yourself. Or maybe it wasn't that your parents were immigrants, but you grew up with a single parent. Or maybe it was neither of those, but you understand what it's like to feel like that one thing, if you only had that one thing, your career, the income, the relationship, the lifestyle, that then you would be complete. But Jesus, he says our struggle, he sees our struggle and addresses this. Come with me to Mark 8, 34 to 35. Mark 8, 34 on the screen. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. Someone say, take up your cross. And follow me. 
I love that this verse specifies that Jesus called the crowd to join his disciples. Jesus is accessible to everyone. You may be thinking, how do I turn from my selfish ways? What did Jesus mean? What did Jesus mean exactly? I guess I could feed the homeless more. I guess I could talk less and listen more. I guess when I'm out to dinner with my spouse, I could let them eat from my plate and not get annoyed. (laughs) And these are good, they're not bad. But if you wanna be a disciple of Jesus, that's gonna take sacrifice. You see, verses back, Jesus told his disciples that he would suffer, be rejected, and die on a cross. And now he was saying that they too had to. But this wasn't that they had to do it. It, This was metaphorically. And a cross in that time wasn't a symbol of tradition or spiritual feelings or a cool chain that you wore. A cross in that time signifying execution. And so Jesus gives us the answer. In order to die to our selfish ways, we must die to our flesh and follow him. And see, he's not leaving us hanging like, hey, I see your mess, figure it out, good luck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand over here. He's leading us by example. He's with us. Let's continue, Mark 8, 35 on the screen. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Someone say save it. Jesus is reminding us that eternal life doesn't come from our perfection, from our performance, from likes or comments, from being on stages. It comes from our surrender. It comes from laying down our desires and picking up the desires of God. Write this down. God can only use me to the level of my surrender. Let me say that again so it can click. God can only use me to the level of my surrender. I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved six years ago in this house, okay? That's right, praise Jesus. I come from a Catholic background. My family and I would go to mass on Easter, Christmas, weddings, quinceañeras, baptisms, okay? And I never knew that there was a living God who wanted a relationship with me and that there was nothing that I had to do to earn it. No striving required, no planning ahead required. I remember walking into church, it was launch day at Santana Row, Hotel Valencia, and I felt so lost, but I would have never told you that. And I remember standing there worshiping and Jesus meeting me exactly where I was with all of my mess and he embraced me and I had an encounter with the living God. And I didn't know much after that other than that he was real and that I wanted more. So I dove in head first. I said yes to all the next steps that we have here at Bold. Why? Because nothing changes if nothing changes. They would ask me, attend growth track to discover my why? No idea what that meant at the time, but they had free food, so yes. 
join a group, to do life in community. I was terrified to be judged, but yes, get baptized to go public with my faith. I questioned it a million times. I didn't know enough. I hadn't gone through the Bible. Was I ready? But yes, come on mission to reach the lost by joining the dream team. I didn't feel like I had much to offer. I didn't know much, but yes, these steps weren't easy, church. I didn't wait to feel ready, whatever that means. These steps took sacrifice. It took me getting uncomfortable. But Jesus asked me to surrender, to take my cross and to follow him. And even then, with my little understanding of theology, I took Jesus seriously. I surrendered my idea of good because his is greater. I surrendered my striving because all I need is in him. I surrendered my plans because his plans are better than anything I could dream up. I surrendered my past, my present, my future because he alone sustains me. When I say God transformed my heart, my life, my marriage, my family and generations to come, it's not an exaggeration. I'm giving you the highlights. I was saved from depression, from anxiety, sexual sin, alcoholism, drug use, pornography, and these have been generational chains in my bloodline. Church, there's no need to strive. There's no need to stress about your future. There's no need to look to the world. We find purpose in Jesus, it's powerful. Being a part of something bigger than yourself, building the local church fills us with a purpose like no job, no career, no merit, nothing will ever fill you like this. And watching, showing up for the one, okay, watching lives be transformed, witnessing miracles unfold, making eternal impact, trusting God with your future. There is freedom and purpose. There is a new trend you've probably seen, which is the title of my sermon, In My Blank Era. And some of the ones I've seen is I'm in my gym era, I'm in my quiet era, I'm in my mom era, I'm in my healing era. And these aren't bad. These are great. But let me define era in, in two different ways. The first one is a long and distinct period of history with a particular feature or characteristic. And the second is a system of chronology dating from a particular noteworthy event. This is generational. What we choose to do today matters. Will temporary things take up that space or will eternal things take up that space? What will mark your history? How will you fill in your blank? How will you decide to use your life here on earth? Me, I'm in my following Jesus era. Come on. And I'm praying, church, that you would step into your freedom, purpose, and calling. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mari. That was such a great word. So inspiring. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you all tonight, today, this morning. <laughs> and before I begin, uh, the title of my sermon is called why build this house and before i get into that i just want to share a little bit about my background um, i was born to a christian family a family of nine here's a throwback picture of all of us i'm that little girl in the corner with the two pigtails <laughs> 
And every week, our parents would take us to church. And I mean, we were in church Sunday morning and Sunday night. We were in church Wednesday nights. And on Saturdays, my parents would open up their home for what they called silos. And here we call them life groups. Even on our vacations to Mexico, every summer we would go and we would not escape church. <laughs> our parents would make sure that on Sunday mornings we were in church. And here is a throwback of me in Sunday school in Mexico. Don't I just look so excited to be there? <laughs> Fun fact, my grandma actually helped build that church that we were in there. Uh, she lived a block away from the church and she would walk over every morning and help set up the church. Um, and she served there faithfully until the day that she took her last dying breath. Wow. But all that to say that I was in church a lot. <laughs> so why build this house? I have five points for you. So if you have your notebooks and pens, get ready to write them down. Reason number one, vision. What makes Bold so special is the vision. And let me just make it clear that. God, uh, that I, what I'm saying and what I'm not saying is that God is only experienced in bold church. So please don't hear that. There are many great churches. And all I'm saying is that the vision that God is giving bold church and this pastors is one that I strongly agree with and one that Jesus' heart was after. You see, bold church exists for the one. And we see this. Um, emphasized in the Bible time and time again. And one of the books that I'm going to go to is in Luke 15. We see three parables. And I'm going to quickly summarize. So if you haven't read these, I suggest you go and read them. Uh, so Luke 15, the first parable that we see is the parable of the lost sheep. There's a shepherd. He has 100 sheep. One gets lost, and he leaves the 99 for the one. And in Luke 15, 7, he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then if we go down a little further, we see the second parable, the parable of the lost coin. A woman, she has 10 coins. She loses one, and she goes to look for it. And in Luke 15, 10, it says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the third parable is the parable of the lost son. You have this father. He has two sons. One gets lost. And then he comes back, and they celebrate him. And the other son's like, why are we celebrating him? And the father responds in Luke 15, 31 to 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And if we skip four chapters into Luke 19, we see the story of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He's climbing a tree to see Jesus. Jesus sees him. He wants to hang out with him. And he's like, why do you want to hang out with me? I am a sinner. And in Luke 19.10, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that is what bold is all about. This is why we do things a little different here, why the lights are darker, why the worship is louder, because we are a church for the unchurched, and our heart will always be for the lost. And I wish that growing up, there was a church like Bold Around. It may not look like it, but I 
In high school, I used to hang out with a bunch of metalheads. <laughs> they all knew that I was Christian. They respected that. And I would always pray that, man, I wish that one day I can just bring them to church with me. And one day they accepted. And at the time, I was attending a Hispanic Baptist church. Not that there's nothing, anything wrong with Hispanic Baptist churches. But the heart for this house wasn't for the lost. It was a house for believers. So can you just imagine my friends walking in, dressed all in black, with their two-toned hair, face piercings, big old chains, their combat boots. I wish that I could tell you that they walked in and they were greeted warmly and that they were welcomed in the place and that at the end of the talk, there were three salvations. But sadly, that's not the way that it panned out. When we walked in, they received stairs, and I mean stairs to the point where I myself was very uncomfortable. And after service, they actually told me that they felt so judged, and it broke my heart because I knew that they needed Jesus. And ever since that day, I prayed for a church like Bold Church. So why build this house? Reason number two, location. We are in one of the most unchurched um, regions. In 2016, the Bay Area was in the top spot for the most churched adults with 48%, and now I believe it's even higher. And the location that God has placed us in is filled with sick people who need healing. Many people here, they reject the word of God. They reject churches. They reject Christians. This place needs healing. If we go to Luke chapter 5, we see a story of Jesus and a tax collector. And back in the day, tax collectors were looked down on. They were seen as corrupt. They were seen as sinners. And you see Jesus feasting with them. And these Pharisees, they see Jesus feasting with all of these tax collectors. I'm like, wait, why are you hanging out with sinners? And Jesus replies in Luke 5, verses 31 to 32, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, this house is for the sick. And even though it may be easier to build this house in a place where churches are more accepting, um, but God has placed us here for a reason. This community needs healing. Which brings me to reason number three. Why build this house? Sound teachings. You see, the talks that you hear at this house all stand in the truth of the Bible. This church is not led by our emotions or our feelings, but on the truth of the word. We don't let the culture of the world in. We don't tiptoe around scripture because we want to make people happy and we don't want to hurt their feelings, but we stand on it. And even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's counterculture, and that nowadays is so rare to find in a church, especially in these times where what is seen as good is bad and what is seen as bad is good. So why build this house? Reason number two, three, four, God is still moving. So please, church, I don't want you to miss what God is doing in this house. I grew up in churches where we probably see a salvation maybe once or twice a month, but we are seeing them weekly here. God is still moving. It is so remarkable that even in the times, go ahead. <laughs> the times like this, where there's so much darkness, there's so much so many people who are just lost in depression, who are stuck with addictions, God is still transforming lives. 
We heard it in Maddie's story, and we've heard it in the video that we saw last week. You see, God is not done with Bold Church. God's promise still stands at Bold Church. God is still doing miracles at Bold Church, and now he is calling us to build this house. And I get asked a lot why I am so passionate about serving and building the house. And it's not because I'm staff or I'm getting paid because I would do it regardless of that. I'm passionate because of what God has done in me through the church. And I believe that he can do it for you too. Which brings me to reason number five. This house will build you. You see, growing up in the church, I've seen the good the bad and the ugly. <laughs> I've seen church splits, fallen leaders. I've been really hurt by people from the church, but I've also found my best friends in the church. I even married one of them. Shout out to Javi. <laughs> and by the grace of God, I have remained in the church. And I am so grateful for all of the places that God has taken me to because they all have led me here. I get so emotional. <laughs> uh, you see, building Apple Church. It's where Jesus set me free. <laughs> building Apple Church has shown me how to be rooted in the truth. Building Apple Church has unleashed purpose and calling over my life. Building Apple Church has helped heal and restore me. Building Apple Church gave me people who call me higher, who challenged me and empowered me. And Building Apple Church has helped me find my identity, my worth, and my confidence in God. And saying yes to Jesus. And partnering and building his church, his house, is by far the best yes that I could ever give. And, and all of that can be yours as well. So if you're watching online or you're in the room, let me encourage you to build with bold. Pastor Lee mentioned a tithing challenge a while back where if you tithe consistently for three months and you don't see life change, we'll return you every single penny. But I want to kick it up a notch and say, what would it look like to be all in with bold? Help build this house. How? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> One of the things that you can do is start attending consistently. Keyword, consistently. Go to Growth Track. Learn about this house. If it's not for you, we'll gladly help you find another church that you can partner with. Serve on a team. Anyone looking for a team? Production is recruiting. Come and talk to me after service. <laughs> Building this house means tithing, and I mean tithing consistently, not just handing out your spare change. It means participating in church events, like, for example, the Christmas choir auditions are after church. So glad you're here. Can't wait to see you there. It means being a part of the community. Groups start this week. Join one. 
Building this house means praying for your church, your pastors, your leaders, your dream teamers. It means inviting your friends, your family, your neighbors, your cousins. So church, be all in and build this house. See how your life changes for the better. It's not going to be perfect, but it will be better. Thank you. Fire, I'm like, all right. Good morning, Bold Church. How's everybody doing today? Gotta be loud on that. We're a loud and bold church. How's everybody doing today? Okay, let's go. Today, I have the honor and privilege of talking about why building God's house is important. My title is Stay Gassed Up. G A S T, not the other type of nigga. We haven't met yet. My name is Pastor Dago. Wild, right? Or as, as my wife says, Pastor Dagoberto Enrique Sanchez. So I'm married to my beautiful wife. Together we have three kids. Um, got a picture of the, the family up there? Yeah, there we go. You thought I was going to put it up because she put it up? Nah, here we are. Pick screen. Such a squad on the screen. Sorry about that. Um, I love being a parent. Who here loves being a parent? Raise your hand. All right. We see some hands. All right. Now raise your hand if you're the fun parent out of the two. I see some couples looking at each other like, eh, 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 That just means we're the least responsible parent. But that's all cool. And if you don't have any kids, enjoy your sleep while you have it, right? Now, what you see in this picture, you see a happy family, right? I see me and my wife getting saved that bold. I see me and my wife getting baptized that bold. I see my daughter just recently getting baptized that bold. I see my two sons getting dedicated at bold. And by the grace of God, my two sons will be baptized at bold. I see a happy marriage. But what we don't see is the work it took to get here. The dying to self. The surrender to God. How hard it was for me. See, I was, born, I was raised without my father in the picture. I haven't seen him since I was 10 years old. Shout out to my mama front. I was supporting raising a man. Shout out to my uncle Ronnie for trying to fill in where he could. But the reality is, I didn't have a strong father leading my family. I didn't have someone to point to Jesus to give me my identity in Christ. So I let the world give me my identity. I thought a man was out drinking all my boys. What I thought a man was talking to all the girls. I was all about me, my selfish ways, and my emotions. That's what I thought a man was. And then one day, I met Mari. <laughs> Love at first sight, boy. Woo! We began to date. It was a beautiful thing. Now, if you know Mari, you know she don't play around. We're dating, and one day she approaches me. Are you going to ask me to be your girlfriend or what? Because I don't have time to waste. Like, needless to say, we got together shortly after that. All right. Now, getting married has been one of the most beautiful days of my life. I love just thinking about it, what we went through. But if we're being real, marriage is hard. Marriage takes work. 
And for us, it just kept getting harder and harder. Argument after argument, I started getting numb until one day we're in an argument and I look at her and I say, I'm done. I want a divorce. I can't take this anymore. As Madi cried and tried to reconcile, I just looked at her with no feeling in my heart and just talked about how we're going to split time with our daughter Mila. I didn't have any fight left in me. I didn't even have any fight for our family. I didn't have any fight left for my marriage. I was lost and I had nowhere to turn. Church, have you ever been there, a place in your marriage where you feel lost? You don't know what to do. You're torn. You have no energy for it. Maybe it's been a time at work where you just felt rejected. Nothing can go worse, right? Or maybe where you're a place where you're believing in all the enemy's lies. You're not good enough. Nothing you ever do will be good enough. There's no light to the end of this. Maybe a place to where you're lost and you had nowhere to turn. Let's see what God has to say about this. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, light, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is preaching his banger on this one, Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> He's talking about the importance of you, the importance of the believers being a positive influence in this world. He encourages to be light in the dark. Let's be real. This world is a dark place, but you're called to be a light in that world. You're called to do good works so that can inspire others. You're called to build God's house. And by glorifying God, we inspire others to do so. Even in that time when I felt dark and hopeless and I had nowhere to turn, as a new believer, I cried out to God, God, I surrender. I'm going to do everything your way. I'm going to say yes to whatever you put in my path, but I need your help. I don't have the strength to do it on my own. So I began to say yes to everything that Bold put in my way. I began to build God's house, and he began to build mine. I went all in on the church that those before me had built. Our pastors started speaking life into us, and I'll be real, told me to do some things I didn't agree with because I didn't have a feeling for it, but I submitted in the end, it worked, so a little plug for them. Thank you, pastors, for that. Our group leaders had faith for us when we didn't have the faith for ourselves. Shout out to Clint Peristy. You guys had a bigger impact than you guys know. We started serving. I found it fulfilling not to serve, to live a life where I served others and not just about myself. First time in my life I had to be that selfless, and it was super fulfilling. I began to read the Bible. First time I tried to read the Bible years ago, I picked up an old Kings James version. I didn't know there were different versions at the time. I was like, God speaks in old English. I don't know what he's talking about. But then I found different versions. But this is where I learned to spend time with God. This is where I experienced his love for the first time, for having a father love for the first time in my life. 
this is where I learned who my true identity was in. It was in Christ. God worked miracle after miracle in my family. He began to heal us. Our marriage was restored. We've been married, what, nine years, love? Feels like one. But the best years of our life has been when Jesus was involved. Generational chains began to break. Now, you see, my father was never in the picture. He was an alcoholic. He had several kids from different women. My grandfather at one point was alcoholic. Several kids from several different women. The Sanchez squad will be the first in my bloodline who has a happy marriage and knows the love of Jesus. You're breaking that, baby. If it wasn't for what Jesus built at Bold, there would be no Sanchez squad today. Our boys wouldn't be here. It'd be a divorced couple splitting our time with Mila, and I wouldn't know the love of a family like this. By building God's house, not only do we build it for us, we build it for the lost, for the one. By building God's house, we build it for our children so they have a place to be raised in. It's not about us. We are called to do Christianity from the trenches, not the sideline. We are called to do Christianity with that Holy Spirit-led, all the gifts, loud and bold faith. All right, I'm going to remind you of that. How do we get this done, Pastor Doggo? I'm glad you asked. This is where you stay gassed up. G is for groups. Shameless plug for the men's group. That's a picture. It's a picture of us hanging out. You can see uh, those 6 a.m. Saturday prayer and workouts working out in Bueno. I'm sticking it in. Lions Den, where you at? There we go. I love it. Now come through if you want real accountability with men who are going to sharpen you as we grow to be men of God. You got to get plugged in. There's QR codes right after service. Go. There's several groups. You need that. Don't come and just, like, don't come non-expectant, though. Come with a closed heart. You don't, just showing up just to be a body just because your wife told you to go, whatever it is. Come up. Show, be real. Show vulnerability. Let Jesus work in your life. A is for attend. Let's be real. Netflix church was rough. Try to watch sermon online. You got one kid crying because he's hangry. One kid crying because it's nap time. You're trying to take notes. receiving an encounter from God. And just chaos. And you just lose it, right? There is nothing like being present in the house of God. Physically. There's nothing like listening to this fire worship up here, listening to a fire word from one of our pastors. Both of them spit fire. Pastor Yasmin has been here a while, but it's fire. It's not Dylan, 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 Dylan. It's Ruhi, 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 and Ruhi. A little Dave Chappelle reference, if you don't know, look it up. It might be for your time, youngins. S is for serve. Get on the dream team. Who's here on the dream team? Make some noise. There we go. There's nothing like living life selflessly for others, not about yourself. It just shifts your heart and fulfills you in a whole different way you've never seen it before. 
your blessing to be a blessing. Remember that. Yeah. T is for tithe. That's going to challenge some of you. I don't challenge me. The first time my family tithed, I don't even know. <laughs> One day I checked the bank account. I'm sitting next to somebody, 10% leaves. I'm like, <laughs> we got bills to pay. We're going to do this. But bless her heart for listening to God's voice over my voice. Now, you see, if we want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life, we have to give him all of it. We can't just pick and choose what it's going to be. Because our heart is where our treasure is. Now, I challenge you all, bold. Go all in. Whether you're thinking about it, halfway in, halfway out. You just show up every Sunday just to walk out the same. Nah, go all in. Go all in in a year to see if it doesn't impact your life. If you don't become a better husband, a father, a better parent, a better son, a better daughter, a better co-worker, community worker, whatever that is, it will improve your life. I guarantee it. And if it doesn't for whatever reason, and you want to come at me, go ahead. It's cool. You can write me an email at E-T-H-A-N at bold.church. I will read them, he'll read them. But church, build what God is calling you to build. Step out and be who he's calling you to be. Be bold. Let's get it, church. Man. Is it dusty in here? Is that just me? That's just me. I don't cry, so <clears throat> that must be it. Uh, my name is Ethan. I am one of the pastors here at Bold Church. Come on. Hey, I'm going to speak on why is the church the hope of the world? Why is the church the hope of the world? Let's be honest. One of our bold cultural values is attack the elephant. So let's attack it. The church has done many evil things in the name of Jesus. The church has abused people. Maybe some of you have been hurt by people in the church. But despite that, I hope to show you guys in the next 10 minutes or less how the church is still the hope of the world. The church is still God's plan for the restoration of humanity. So in order to do that, I'm going to give you a quick little backstory on my experience with church. I am the oldest of three boys. I got a, a younger brother who's two years younger and a younger brother who's six years younger than me. And my parents and us, we would go to church on Saturday nights growing up. We were one of those families. We would go on Saturday nights I think it was primarily because my parents didn't want to try to wake us up. We would regularly sleep in until like noon or 1 p.m. like every weekend. So I think, yeah, that's why probably, which is fair. So we went on Saturday nights. Um, and because of this, it wasn't like a small church, but because we went on Saturday nights, the youth group was only me and my brothers. Like that was it. That was, and like two youth group leaders. I don't know why there was two. But then that was the whole group. And because of that, I really wanted to experience like, my own church. I wanted to go to a church uh, that my friends went to. Let's be honest, I wanted to go to a church that girls went to. Uh, this is high school, Ethan, by the way. Uh, I wanted to go to a church that had like the cool, like the summer, like youth group camps. You know what I'm talking about. I wanted to go to a church where I could be on the worship team. And let's be real, I wanted to go to a church where girls would see me on the worship team. <laughs> this is pre Pastor Ethan, this is before. No judgment. But already, I'm starting to kind of show what I think is pretty prevalent in Western Christianity, 
And that is church as a place of preference rather than a place of purpose. Church as a place of preference rather than purpose. And it's not that all preference is bad, right? Like if you're picking a church, yes, you want to find a place where you identify with the people, where the culture like gets you. Like, yeah, you want to pick a church based on those things. But if you continue to only see church as a place of preference, you miss out on seeing how church is the hope of the world. Let me drive this point home a little bit further. Did you know that you can uh, rate and review churches? You could go on Google or Yelp and you could rate us. After, you could give us five stars if you wanted to after this. You can do that. Um, and why is that, again, not all bad, but that shows, because we rate and review where we consume, right? We rate and review where we eat, where we shop, where we're entertained. Those are the type of places you usually go to Yelp for. And yet we're doing that in the church as well, because church has become a place where we just consume rather than contribute, and you might be wondering why I'm trying to drive this point home to start my message, because I really don't think we're going to see how the church is the hope of the world if we just view the church as a place of preference or a place where we consume each and every week instead of a place where we're coming to contribute and bring our gifts. Amen. So let's start with a little bit of scripture, shall we? Matthew 16, 19. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. Uh, whom, he, whom he just called the rock that he's going to build his church upon. And he says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. David Campbell, one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers, has this to say about that verse. The church is God's indispensable instrument through which Jesus meets an unsaved world. Christ gave the church the keys to the kingdom, and it's only through the church that people enter the kingdom. The church has the keys to bring the kingdom of God. And we know as Christians, we are called to love people. We are called to make disciples, right, in the Great Commission. We're called in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says in the second line, uh, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're called to bring his kingdom to earth. And Jesus is saying here, you guys have the keys. The church has the keys to do that. How many of you have a ring of keys? Oh, <laughs> a ring of keys. Maybe they look like mine. I got my car key right here, Camry. I got my house key right here. And then many of you, might have a key just like this one. It's very special. And why it's special is because I have no idea what it does. How many of you have a key like this? Literally for years, years it's been here. I don't know what it does. It says Ace Hardware. So I imagine I had it made for like a, probably a guitar case or something. I don't know. But my question for you, has this key, or maybe the key for you, has it lost its purpose? Has it lost its power? Can it no longer do what it was designed to do? No, it could do it. it. It still has all the power it was created with. The problem is I've forgotten. I've forgotten how to use this key. I've lost the purpose. People have abused the church. People have misused power in the church. The church has committed many atrocities in the name of Jesus. And yet we still have the keys. We still have the power to bring the kingdom of God. If you look in Revelations, which we just studied as a church, but a little bit later in Revelations 19, it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. John used the analogy of the church as the bride. 
The church here is the bride. Jesus is the groom. Many people try to predict when the end of the world is gonna take place. We, ha- we hear about the Mayan calendar. We hear about Y2K. Yet we know that Jesus isn't coming back until the church is ready because the church is the hope of the world. What does ready mean exactly? I'm not sure, but Paul gives us a little glimpse as well in Ephesians 5:27. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. So as the church, we are called to be a light to the world. We're called to, be, uh, to make disciples. We are called to bring his kingdom. And when we are ready, when the church is ready, that's when Jesus is coming back because we hold the keys. We hold the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I think the more important question is, if the church is the hope of the world, which I hope I've shown you that it is, how am I gonna be a part of this hope? Because the cool thing is, God calls us to be a part of this. It's not just the pastors, it's not just people on staff or whatever, it's all of us. We are the church. How are we gonna be the hope of the world? Maybe some of you were like me, um, right out of college, I got a degree in accounting, which is a bad choice. I'm not sure why I got a degree in accounting, by the way. I, I probably should have done an internship or something beforehand. But I started working in the public accounting field full time and literally just hated it right away and started asking God and questioning, like, God, why do you have me here? God, what is, what is my purpose? Um, maybe some of you have felt this way where I just woke up with like no motivation. Like, no, like what was my why? I didn't know. And I wasn't like living in obvious sin, but I still say I was living in sin because I was trying to depend on myself for purpose, for motivation, for power, for a life, an abundant life, a life filled with happiness and joy. And I wonder if I had been contributing to God's plan, to God, to the hope of the world, which is the church. If I had been contributing to the church, would God have revealed what he wanted me to do earlier? Because I don't know exactly what God's called you to do. God has given you all gifts and abilities to provide resources for your family, um, to serve outside these four walls. And yet I do know God wants you to be a part of the hope of the world. And God wants you to be a part of the church. And like these three amazing pastors have shown you, there are many ways to get involved here at Bold Church. I won't go over them again ad nauseum. But what I want to prove with my message today How cool is it that God desires for you to be a hope of the world? God desires for you to be a part of it. He doesn't have to use us, but he asks us, will you be a part of this? And in that is where we find purpose, where we find our why, where we find motivation, where we live a life uh, of calling, a life where we don't wake up out of bed and wonder what we're doing or why are we doing this? It's a powerful thing. And I wanna close with this. God's plan has always been for you to operate in your gifting, for you to operate in power in the local church because you are meant to be a part of the hope of the world. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. As we continue with our Sunday service, you know, maybe you're here and you feel a tug on your heart. Maybe you feel like, Mari, maybe you feel like you've been striving, and today's the day where you let go of striving and you surrender. Or maybe like Dalen, you have experienced church so much 
that it's become almost a numbing thing in your life. And maybe today is, again, a day that you surrender it and you experience the healing and the freedom of God's purpose over your life. Or maybe like Doggo, you want to be a warrior for God. You know, you just want to be, what is it that the men said? Ahu? I don't know. I'm not in the army. I'm in God's army. Or maybe like Ethan, you have held on to the ski but have forgotten that you get to activate it, that you get to place it in the keyhole and it opens a door to blessing and revelation from God to build this house. I don't know what God is tugging your heart with, but I do know that God is constantly speaking to us. And so right now, I want to speak to the person that is a believer, that is a Jesus follower, and maybe you have been relying on your own strength. Maybe you've been doing church just to check off a box of the good old to-do list. If that's you this morning and you feel a tug on your heart to come alive again in the things of Jesus and get plugged into the house, it doesn't have to be this house. It's whatever house you feel called to build. I want to pray for you this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to the one, God, the one that believes in you, the one that loves you, the one that wants to sacrifice for you but doesn't know where to begin. God, would you ignite their heart again, God? Would you make the dead things come back to life again? God, let your Holy Spirit speak this morning and activate faith in them again, Jesus, so that they have the power to activate the glory of God within their lives, Jesus. Would you make them excited about the things of God again? God, would you come and show yourself faithful once again? But maybe this morning you're here, and just like Mari, you're like, I have no idea what this is all about. I'm just desperate. I'm desperate for things to shift in my life. I feel hopeless, and I'm just looking for hope. I'm tired. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm trying to trying to fake it to make it. Maybe that's you this morning. We want to invite you into a time of salvation. You have nothing to do. All you got to do is believe. There is no work on your end for salvation. God's already paid on the cross. He bought our freedom, our healing, and our future with one act. So thankful that God did that. If that's you this morning, if you feel a tug on your heart, if you want to say, you know what, I want to go all in with Jesus. I want to be set free this morning. I want to experience the healing that all of these four people are talking about. I want to experience the hope of the world. I want to experience joy in my life. I don't want to strive anymore. I'm tired. I want life to be breathed into my soul again, and I want to experience freedom and life abundant in Jesus. If that's you this morning, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Just shoot your hand up. We're going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. This is a holy moment. This is where heaven is already preparing for you to come home. On the count of three, just shoot your hand up. You're not saying yes to this church. You're saying yes to Jesus and the things of God. And on the count of three, I'm going to, one, if that's you, don't hold back. Two, 
And just shoot your hand up at three. Just shoot your hand up. If that's you this morning, I see your hand. 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 Yes, if that's you, that's right. You can celebrate and you can rejoice because people are coming into the house of God this morning. And if you raised your hand, church, let's repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you this morning. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for freedom. I repent of my sin. I turn from my ways and receive you as Lord and Savior over my life. And from this day forward, lead me and walk with me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.